Welcome everyone to Inside the Cylinder. I believe episode 11 of this season so far. Uh, as always, uh, this is David Fernandez, joined by my co-host Matt Way. Say what up, Matt, to the people. Hey everybody, what's going on? <laughs> and we're joined with our first guest of the season. And uh, you may have known him from his time here in Detroit, but we want to welcome and thank Jake Chapman from the Orlando Magic Radio Network for joining us. Jake, how is it going? How are you doing down in Florida? You know, I know you've been down there for a while now, but we do want to thank you for coming on here. I'm doing good, guys. Thanks for having me. It's uh, it's good to catch up with you guys. It's, it was funny last night. I was having flashbacks to my time in Detroit and um, I had a whole lot of fun covering some not very good teams, and I was, you know, connecting with some of you guys last night on Twitter, and and just thinking about uh, my time up there, and and it, it's exciting. It's an exciting time, I think, to be a Pistons fan. I said it on my post game show last night. Like, finally, um, there's some promising talent. It feels like they've got the front office worked out. So um, it's a, it's it's good to see better days are ahead for the Pistons and for Pistons fans. Um, but yeah, it's been, it's been a whirlwind. I mean, I left the, um, the Pistons radio network in 17, I think it was. Yeah. 2017. I spent a year in Cleveland and then I came back down. Um, I originally was with the magic radio network before I came to Detroit. So I've been back down here. This is my second season. I moved in August of 2019. Um, and time flies. <laughs> it's, it doesn't feel like that long ago that I was up there in Detroit. So it's good to, it's good to catch up with you guys. You were a staple of like the Pistons Twitter like atmosphere. Like you were, Jake was one of the people that you would be literally talking to and corresponding back and forth with and asking questions about what's going on with the team. You were like a staple of just Pistons. Of a lot of, honestly, when I was coming up, you know, I started in 2015 writing for Detroit Bad Boys. Is then, you know, that's when you were there. And, and I also remember uh, just being, uh, I don't know, one of like the the figureheads of, of I guess, the, the earlier Pistons Twitter years. It's so funny. Like, I, I was just thinking about that the other day, and I appreciate that. It is very kind of you. But I was just thinking the other day about NBA Twitter and, like, the early days. And, like, I remember – because I was such – I was so bad, at, and I always am bad. Like, this Top Shots thing is completely beyond my scope. I have no idea what's going on with it. And I remember even when Twitter was first coming out – that's how old I am um, – I remember asking my brother-in-law who does digital media and makes a lot of money doing it. I was like, is this going to last? Like, isn't it just, you know, everybody's just going to revert back to Facebook or whatever. And he was like, no, yeah, I'm pretty sure Twitter's going to, going to last for a while. Um, and man, it's been, it has been, it's been a long time of um, sort of developing contacts and it's cool. Like people like you guys, like I've never met you guys. And this is the first time I've ever even heard your guys' voice um, aside from listening to, to your podcast. And so, you know, it's, it's cool to catch up. I I think Twitter's really cool in that sort of sense. Like you become part of a community. And when I was in Detroit, man, I had a lot of fun with um, all you guys and a lot of the people that I got to work with. And I'm still really close with like James and Rod and Vince. And um, anytime I can chat with Keith Langlois, uh, he's, um, he's one of the smartest people I've ever talked to in my life. He like, uh, intimidates me with his intelligence, but it was a lot of fun. Duncan. I mean, I talked to Duncan all the time, obviously. Um, it was a lot of fun. I miss those days for sure. We, um, you know, we as Pistons fans are definitely fortunate to have 
used to be guys like you, um, but now we have James and Rod, and they're they've just always been so um, receptive to interacting with the fan base on Twitter, um, which is just it, it really adds something to the experience. I think for fans um, is what's the uh, what's the magic uh, Twitter situation like for you. It's a little different. It's not quite. First off, it's nowhere near as passionate as, as Pistons fans, um, obviously. Um, and we don't have as much of a like when I first got up there. It was kind of cool for me. Like um, I had read Rod uh, from afar when I first got there. Vinny Goodwill was still there, um, and and Vince did such a great job. And you know, I became friends with those guys, but I, I respected the hell out of the job they did, um, and still do, obviously. And down here, it's Josh Robbins. And Josh is a phenomenal writer. Um, and he's – I I love reading him. I love having him on my podcast. Um, I value Josh so much, but there's, like, nobody else. You know, it's like Josh. And, you know, the um, Sentinel beat writer is Roy Perry. He does a really good job. Um, but it's just – it's different than it was in Detroit. I really felt like we had, like, a, a Pistons Twitter sort of um, – community but then also the the guys covering the team and maybe it's partly the pandemic you know we don't see each other ever um anymore down here but you know a majority of the coverage that you get is from josh and roy perry and then you know i do the radio stuff um dan savage does a really good job for the website and that's about it it's just a much smaller sort of scaled back operation down here well we definitely have yeah. the need because of pan- uh, no go ahead Oh, go ahead, Matt. Sorry. Oh, I, I was just going to say we. I mean, you you touched on it, Jake, but we definitely have a very passionate Pistons fan base. Um, that's uh, one way to put it, I guess. Um, <laughs> it's uh, it's quite interesting on Pistons Twitter. It was it was it was nice to have you uh, have you back uh, at least for a night last night, and maybe uh, maybe tomorrow night too with uh, with the game. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, as always, it's, it's it's enjoyable. It's I, I love look. I love um, just what I do is so cool because you know. No, I haven't watched the Pistons a ton this year, but now is you know it's it's the Pistons couple of days, and then later on um, we'll go back and we'll see Brooklyn again. And so it's uh, the idea that you get to sort of dip in and observe a team and have your observations and have your thoughts, and especially with with um, you know playing the Pistons or Cleveland, where I. Uh, grew up and where I worked for a year, uh, being able to engage with all those different fan bases is a blast. For sure. And you mentioned it, you're, you know, you're covering the team for uh, Orlando Magic Radio. Are you one of the people who are, are is able to go on site? Because I know it's like a limited amount of people. And I, I believe I've listened to like Chris Vernon, um, you know, on uh, The Ringer and, and he does radio for the the Memphis Grizzlies. I believe he's going on or going in arena for some of these games. Do you have that access or are you like some of the beat writers in Detroit where you're still away from the arena kind of doing everything remotely right now? No, I do. And it was, it's kind of interesting. So at, when I was producer and when I was um, hosting, like last year I produced all the broadcasts, but then I hosted half the games. We had a guy at our, um, at our flagship station who would host the other half and he would host the home games because I had to be in studio and the studio was off-site. We had um, our this place called RDB Sportsplex. It was like a, a, a gym and workout facility. It used to be the uh, Magic's practice facility, but when we opened Amway Center in 2010, the team moved down there, communications moved down there. But most of our corporate offices were still there, and I had a radio studio there. Well, it timed out so that over the course of this last summer, 
Um, there was a really bad rainstorm down here. Shocker, it's Orlando. And there was like a whole bunch of water damage to the building. So we had to sort of like in, in fire drill fashion, we had to break down my radio studio and figure out a makeshift way to broadcast games. So from there, we started putting into place um, a plan to broadcast from Amway Center. We did that for the bubble. And now uh, my engineer or our engineer built me, um, and I, I tweeted about it a few months ago. He built us, in, but it's basically me, this like cart. that We call it the beast. It's this massive cart that has essentially an entire radio studio packed into it. And so for home games, I am in arena and I'm up at the top of the lower bowl. Um, it's our ADA section next to our TV report, uh, TV broadcasters. And I just pack the cart up for away games and I roll it down to a media, to a media interview room, <clears throat> kind of in the bowels of Amway Center. Um, so I broadcast every game now from Amway Center, which means I get tested like every other day, um, which has been a little bit crazy. But I, I'm definitely lucky. We're one of the five teams that started the season. I think they're up to like 10 now um with with hutton fans in the building it's i know for people up north it's like what what the there were fans in the building back in late december but um you know our human resources department went through hell basically um making sure it was safe and we've done a really good job so far and yeah there's a whole lot of precautions being taken but um it's about as safe as it possibly possibly could be in my opinion and uh the <clears throat> i guess that's evidenced by the magic have not had a single COVID issue, as far as I can tell, right? I know they had a the game against Boston got canceled, but that was a Boston issue, right? Yep. Yeah. No, no, well, we've had some of the most ridiculous injury luck over the course of the year, but not, um, knock on wood, not a positive COVID test and not even contact tracing type stuff. Mo Bamba <clears throat> had like one instance. He contracted it in the summertime, um, and then he wasn't on that trip. In fact, the Boston-Brooklyn uh, trip, um, because of contact tracing, but that was it. Well, you mentioned the the injuries and the Magic have, I think, had probably the worst injury luck in the um, the league this year. Um, Jonathan Isaac obviously has been out for the year. Markel Fultz is out for the year. Um, Cole Anthony's been hurt. Aaron Gordon's been hurt. Evan Fournier's missed some games, I know. Um, but still... The Magic are only two games back right now from the seven seed, um, which might might speak to the to the Eastern Conference in general right now. Um, but from from your perspective, Jake, how uh, how have the Magic kept the season afloat so far? Vucevic, you know, he's been so good all season. Um, look, when Fournier came back, <clears throat> it made a huge difference. His numbers. Um, I mean, you guys watched last night. He's playing the best ball I've ever seen him play. Um, he's outstanding right now, but it's been Vooch. Vooch is, uh, if he doesn't make the all-star team, it's going to be a disappointment. I guess I'll get it because the wins might not necessarily be there, but he's been so good all year and he's just sort of, you know, they, like they won a game last week in Sacramento, uh, where he had 42 and like, there were eight players available by the end of the game, two straight games on that West coast road trip. By the end of the game, there were only eight guys available. Um, and one of the games they started with eight guys available and they won one of them. Like, Vooch was just insane. And so he's been great all season. Um, I think it speaks to Steve Clifford. He's a really, really good coach. He's going to put him in a position to just hang in games. The defense has been up and down. The turnovers have been up and down. And, you know, given all his faculties, a Steve Clifford-led team, and this is how it's been in the two years prior to this year uh, here in Orlando, 
they don't turn the ball over and they defend well. It's, he's a very sort of conservative head coach in that regard. Um, and that stuff's been all over the place this year, but um, they've kind of hung in there. They've relied on Vooch offensively. And, um, you know, I, I think the one thing was headed into the season, you had, you brought everybody back. You had a lot of familiarity and a lot of consistency and a lot of um, holdover. And so at the very least, like you look down the roster and when you only have eight guys available, you know pretty well that they're, they're going to be eight guys who know how to play together. Um, and I think that's, that's probably served the team pretty well. Um, all things considered, because it's been it's been nuts the amount of injuries that they've dealt with so far this year. So with within the incontinuity at the beginning of the season, with who's in the who's going to be playing games, who who's the point guard? They've been able to identify some sort of continuity just by the guys that are left over and who are available to play and and who seem to be regularly playing and and playing well, as you mentioned. You know, Terrace Ross has been played really well this se- has played well this season. Uh, as we saw evidence yesterday, Fournier was awesome. He's at 19 points, four assists per game this year. And Vucevic has just been on a monster tear, including uh, last night's game against the the Pistons. And then he also had just an outstanding performance against the Warriors. They've won three or four of their last five games right now. Do you feel like they're caught lightning in a bottle? This, this is something that's going to they're going to be able to sustain this, you know, relative level of success, you know, plus 500 basketball, you know, as we go towards the the all-star break coming up. Or is this feel like something where it's like, OK, they, they did just, you know, capture this lightning in a bottle. This might not be as sustainable as as one would hope if you're a Magic fan. You know, you're well, it's weird, David, because, you know, the Magic are four and one with Michael Carter Williams as their starting point guard and <clears throat> heading into the season. You know, MCW is really important to this team. He's a really good defender. Um, but Cliff likes to use him almost as a three, like he can be a secondary ball handler. Um, but typically he's checking twos and threes. And so, you know, he's on the floor with a point guard when, when, you know, given his druthers, if everybody's healthy, well, Markel goes down and then Cole goes down and now you're trying, you know, you're bringing in Frank Mason and, um, and, and we had, we did the Jordan bone thing. Um, and that did not work out as you might've guessed. Um, and so like, and then, you know, chasing Randall's in now, and he's actually done a pretty good job through a handful of games, but what, like Michael Carter Williams is not the savior, right? It's, it's not like this team headed into the season going MCW is going to be, um, the guy who leads us to the promised land. Um, but they've, they've done so well in kind of having their bags up against the wall and having to, um, to just sort of make do and get through games. And so I do think like, Getting MCW back is great, but what it what it means to me is if they can win, you know, maybe tomorrow night and maybe get just like the last three games before the break are going to be tough. It's uh, Utah, Dallas, Brooklyn, the last four, Brooklyn, Dallas, Utah, and um, and Atlanta. If you can go like two and two in those last four games into the break and still be somewhere around three or four games under five hundred, um, then you're going to get Aaron Gordon and Cole Anthony back after the All Star break. You know, somewhere around there. Um, Gordon, I think they're just being cautious with, you know, you, it's a, it was a sprained ankle and, um, he's so based on athleticism and he's such an important part of the defense for this group that they don't want to rush him back. And Cole Anthony was just getting, getting the crap kicked out of him, frankly. I mean, the guy is, uh, really promising. He's, he's come a long way already, but you know, he wasn't ready for 30 minutes a night. He's 20 years old and he's slight of frame as is. So with that said, like, MCW is going to be able to go back to what it was he's supposed to do. Um, all of a sudden, Cliff's going to have some options if this team can get healthy and stay healthy. 
And so I do think they'll be able – I don't know if they'll be able to sustain winning four out of every five games. Um, I don't think this is a team with an 800 winning percentage when all is said and done. But I do think they'll be able to uh, – it won't be as bad as it was for, for the beginning of February um, when they were dealing with those injuries because they just – you know, they needed to adjust on the fly. And, like, for instance, when, the, when they had eight, nine guys available, um, Terrence was not playing particularly well. And that's because it's so easy for defenses to gear up uh, and throw doubles at them. And he's looking around and, you know, no offense to Gary Clark or James Ennis or, you know, some of the guys we have on the team, but they're not necessarily perimeter threats. And so if you only have Terrence and Vooch, it really simplifies a game plan for an opposing coach. Um, you get all your guys back and all of a sudden you got some weapons and it's been as simple as Fournier coming back. All of a sudden they're a much more difficult team to defend. Uh, and I think you've seen that over the last week or so. I'll tell you, Jake, the <clears throat> Michael Carter Williams, I'm glad you brought him up. And I know you just, uh, I think you just did a pod with him, didn't you? Um, yeah. And he, he strikes me a little bit. I mean, they're much different players, but he has completely kind of transformed his game into just a great role player in a way that I think in Detroit, we've, we've seen before his body just gave up a, a bit on him. That like Blake Griffin did from from his early years. Um, the you know Michael Carter Williams definitely stood out to me last night as a guy who just a real good glue guy. The other guy who really um, stood out to me last night, and I, you, you might need to check me on the pronunciation, but is it a uh, Chuma Okeki? Is that how Okiki? Okiki, thank you. He he is just an absolute monster defensively, and you saw it. On one possession in particular where Jeremy Grant still scored because he just does it um, and he's he's used to it, uh, you know, a lot like what you talk about Terrence Ross when defenses are focusing on him. Um, but the the possession, he, he just denied Jeremy Grant the ball like several times and just made life harder on Jeremy Grant than I think we've seen on a single possession all year long. Um, it is is he a guy that you think is part of the uh, Magic's long-term future? Yeah, absolutely. He um, His kind of coming out party was Friday um, against Golden State. He was awesome. He had three blocks. Two of them were in crunch time. He had two big threes late in the fourth. Um, and it was the first game that he was on the floor in crunch time. So that game, they finished up with MCW, uh, Ross Fournier, Okiki, and Vooch. And all of a sudden, I'm looking at it going, okay, we have three offensive guys and two defensive guys. This is like a nice balance. And the team has not had balance basically all season. Um, it's just because of the injuries that they've had to deal with. So with Chuma, like he is, he's, he's just instinctually, um, he's going to be a very, very good defensive player because of what's between his ears. And then like their idea for him was to make him a four. And because of all the injuries, they've had to throw him against some wings, and he's done a great job of chopping those feet, uh, staying in front of guys like Jeremy Grant, um, even some, you know, smaller and even quicker guys. Um, and But he, you know, they drafted him out of Auburn two seasons ago um, after a torn ACL. I don't know if you guys remember it happened in the uh, in the NCAA tournament. And so, you know, he, he just redshirted, essentially. Like, this is considered his rookie season. Um, he sat out all last year, and then he came back early in the season and he tweaked his other knee. And, you, you know, you're sitting there like, God, we got to keep this guy on ice or whatever. And now all of a sudden he's starting to sort of stack uh, a couple weeks straight. They're trying to keep his minutes down. It's really hard right now. I think the All-Star break will probably do wonders for him. 
Um, but he's starting to sort of play with that level of consistency. So Friday night's the first night he closes the game out. Uh, he did the same last night. And I think he's, you know, he's a huge part of the future. He's uh, got a lot of different, you know, versatility defensively, but he's got a pretty nice jumper as well. And he's a quiet kid, but, you know, all his teammates always talk about how he's quiet to us, but he's, you know, he's witty and, um, and sharp behind the scenes. And so he's one of those guys, like he doesn't show his personality to the media, um, but he's supposedly pretty goofy. But um, people are starting to get excited about him. And, and literally it's just happened within like the last week. It was just sort of a nondescript in and out of the lineup start to the season for him. Um, but you, you see the flashes definitely on the defensive side. I think he might have been trending on Twitter for a brief hot second during that possession. I just remember seeing my timeline blow up about Okiki's defense in that particular um, spot that that uh, Matt was just talking about. But a guy that you mentioned that, that's going to be coming back from injury, uh, Aaron Gordon, is, you know, he's, I guess, for, for like the star level, he might – he he hasn't been as good of a player as Vucevic has you know, consistently over his career, but at least for me, not following the Orlando Magic, the guy that I've kind of thought about one A one B is is Vuce is Aaron Gordon there. Um, he's been in you know trade rumors. They've had that name flying around there for at least the last couple of seasons. Do you have a sense of? like a, a direction of what the Orlando Magic are going to do when it comes to to Aaron Gordon? Do you think that they're going to, you know, are still picking up calls? I mean, everyone's picking up every single phone call. That's just kind of how the league goes. But at the end of the day, do you think it's as – it seems to have toned down a little bit. It might have been because of the injury, but I'm not hearing it as much, and I don't know if that's something that – is that as prevalent in the, the Orlando mar- Magic market? Is that Aaron Gordon trade talk still – you know, kind of like a hot button issue and something that seems likely in, in the coming not days, but I guess, well, I mean, the, the trade deadlines in one month. So I don't know if that seems like something that's going to, to come to fruition or not. So I guess you're the perfect person to ask. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. Like he, cause you're right. Like he, you see more rumors about him and probably Evan um, than anybody else. And part of it is, is contractual. Evan's up after this year. Um, and Aaron's got a, a fairly affordable deal that was front loaded. Um, so I, and look, Aaron is, a, a he's in his eighth season and he's 25 years old, you know, like um, he's got a whole bunch of basketball already under his belt and he has improved every year. Um, he's really good defensively. He can check, you know, Harden one night, Luca the next night, and then Giannis the next night um, and do a pretty damn good job of it. He offensively, it can be a ball stopper at times, and some Magic fans get frustrated with him for that. Uh, but with that said, like when all the in- like when Markel went down, one of the first things Cliff did was he studied. So he's got to slide Cole into the starting lineup. Jordan Bone is not necessarily working out, um, and so Cliff put the ball in Aaron Gordon's hands as sort of your backup de facto point guard, point forward, point guard. And it wasn't bad; like he turned the ball over a lot. Um, but he's a good passer. He's got a lot of these sort of like. Oh, I didn't know he could do that type skills. Um, but with that said, like, I don't think he's ever going to be, you know, he's definitely not going to be a primary option. I don't think he'll probably ever be a secondary option on a really good offense. Like he's going to have to be um, a screen setter, you know, uh, fly to the rim, get out in transition. He is good um, kind of on, you know, if you let him square up and you give him one, two dribbles into the paint, Hey, he's so strong. He can finish at the rim, obviously. Uh, through contact, but he he does have good vision 
sort of in in the midst of traffic. Um, he can pass. He can make the inside out pass pretty well um, to a spot up shooter. But he's you know his what he brings to a team is on the other side of the floor, and so getting him back should boost the Magic defense. Um, and we'll see. Like you know, guy goes down with an ankle, and you know he's going to be out till the All Star break, and it does sort of coincide with trade season coming up. Um, I don't know. I think some of the I think the the noise was really loud about not just Aaron, about everybody um, as the team was stacking losses and it it looked like the season was going to be lost. You know, you win four out of five and all of a sudden you're, what, three games out of the four seed in the Eastern Conference, crying out loud. Um, All of a sudden, you know, I think those conversations probably sound a little different both ways. You know, people aren't calling you going, oh, you got to blow this up. You guys are terrible. Um, And you're sitting there going, well, you know, if we if we sort of stand pat or make a small move to try to improve the team this year, maybe we can make a run. Maybe we can get, uh, you know, the fourth or fifth seed in the Eastern Conference as opposed to being on the outside looking in. And then obviously, like, I think the trade market's going to be affected strangely um, this year because 10 teams get in from each conference. Like, there's, sh- there's probably not going to be a whole bunch of sellers um, over the next month. I think a lot of teams are going to try to make a run for it. <laughs> well, the Pistons are going to be one of those sellers, I suspect. Um the, the way, the, but I got to say, the way that you described Aaron Gordon is the way that we've talked about Jeremy Grant on this podcast, and and a lot of people have talked about him like that. Um, you know, he's taking on probably a bigger role than what is ideal um, in terms of the the Pistons building with him in the future. But he he is that same guy that if you get him a step step and a half downhill, he can be an absolute terror. Um, uh, you know, and, and clearly his, his value his his best value comes on the defensive end, just like Gordon. Um, you, you mentioned you haven't seen, um, you haven't been able to watch a lot of the Pistons this year, which, which is totally understandable. Um, you know, frankly, this team, I, I don't think there's anyone on this team now that Blake's sitting that was on the team when you were covering in Detroit. Is that, is that correct? I'm going through it. Yeah, no, that's right. Wow, that's right. Nobody. Yeah, so it's wild. We've obviously had a had a major transformation in Detroit. Um, having having gotten to watch the game uh, closer and watch the Pistons closer last night, did you have any have any thoughts about uh this uh this new 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 age Pistons team? Yeah, it feels like it feels like the future's bright. Like, um. I've heard nothing but good things about Bay, and he last night I'm sitting there going, "Boy, his light is green, isn't it?" Like he he was not he was not knocking down shots last night, but he kept them coming, and I think that's a good sign, no matter what. Um, I I fully expect him to bounce back tomorrow. But Saban Lee, I mean, that guy was, and I think you know, based on what I read, that was probably the best game he's played so far this year. But I was very impressed with him, and then Isaiah Stewart, like you guys. I mean, that dude's going to run Detroit, like, by the end of the year. I mean, he's so – he's such a piston. It's crazy. So – and and Svee played really well last night, I thought, too, um, kind of in small doses. I don't know. I guess he was two of nine. But it feels like – every time Svee shoots, I feel like it's going in. So I look at that team, and then obviously Grant and Plumley. you know, people are sitting there laughing in the offseason, and those two have been two of the best free agent signings. So it feels like Troy Weaver's got everything on the right track. I always liked Casey. Um, I think he's – I think at the very least, like, I understood the concern when you go to rebuild of having a guy like Casey, like, how much do we really know 
about how he develops young players. Because you go back to the time in Toronto, was it him, was it the front office, whatever. Um, but, you know, that team plays really hard. They've got a lot of young talent. Um, I love the idea of a reclamation project like Josh Jackson. Like, he played great last uh, last night. Um, we'll see about about Dennis Smith. He just he just looks like he's lacking confidence. I mean, he hit that second three, and it was like he won the championship. <laughs> like, I just don't know exactly where he is mentally because he's been through so much. I know the talent's there. Um, but, you know, in a season like this, hell yeah, take a shot on Dennis Smith Jr. Um, so, and I don't know what to think about Sekou right now. It, I had high hopes coming out. Um, he looks a little lost and like he might be out of favor sooner than later, but, um, it's, I love the idea of, okay, it's an eight and 22 team, but they play their asses off. The wins have come against all, like every good team across the league. And you guys are going to be a tough out no matter what for the rest of the season. And when you're in this sort of a situation with the new front office and young players that you're going to develop, um, that's about as good as you can ask for. Did, uh, did you get any, um, Will Bynum? Vibes from Saban Lee last night. That, yes, that's you, you kind mean, of who he reminds me of. You mean where he was about to smash it? On, where he, he <laughs> climbed up Vooch's stomach, um, and it was the best missed dunk. I was sitting there. So, like the way it goes with us is we are um, we're airing the telecast. Uh, we we got rid of our radio play by play and color analysts in the summertime, uh, which was which sucked. And but you know it's it's the nature of what's going on this year. And now the radio broadcast is me producing and hosting it. Hey, you know, Magic are up 10. Let's go back to David and Jeff. And when I go back to David and Jeff, those are our TV announcers. So basically it's like, you know, George and Greg on the radio. And so it's kind of, and we're the only team in the league doing this. And it's kind of, you know, it's not ideal, um, I guess. But so I'm sitting there watching the game and like I'm producing, but I'm just watching. And, you know, of course I'm got my headset on and I'm sitting there like a broadcaster, but I'm not on the air. And I, sometimes I leave my mic open. I got to make sure I'm not on the air because sometimes I like exclaim things to myself, like I'll pass the ball or whatever. And, uh, I go, Ooh, <laughs> when he, when he missed that dunk, like I, I was and I had to look down to make sure my mic was, uh, uh, wasn't on. Cause that was, I mean, he got up and he was, he was getting wherever he wanted to last night. Like, Magic got to do a much better job tomorrow of uh, of keeping them out of the paint because what was it? I think they were like 18 of 40. Like the paint points didn't kill you last night. It was 36 to 30. But I think the Pistons were like 18 of 40 um, in the paint. And you can't expect that. And then obviously the inside-out game wasn't working. Um, the threes just weren't falling. But um, that guy is an incredible athlete. And, yeah, I I was very impressed with that guy. He'll certainly be starting uh, this upcoming game. I think Dennis Smith Jr. <laughs> is is that was be it, thinking, huh? Yeah, I mean, it was. It, it seemed to be the narrative uh, from last night's game was that you know th- this is. I'd be concerned if I was Dennis Smith Jr. right now. You know, it looks like this guy is going to be uh, you know playing more. Definitely going to be starting this upcoming game. I assume so. I think most people do as well. And then also with a possible roster spot opening up when uh, if Blake Griffin gets bought out then they have an opportunity to convert him from his two-way. And then all of a sudden, the point guard minutes are going to start to swell up even, or start to shrink down, I should say, uh, even more so than, than they are, or I guess what they were, you know, when we they still had DeLon Wright. But I did. you did mention, I, I wanted to ask you this. This is one of my questions that I had like as soon as I found out that you were coming on. And, and I was hoping that you could be sort of the cheerleader for this situation. Can you make the case for make the case to the people 
why Vucevic should be an all-star this year. You know, he's playing like the numbers kind of speak for themselves, but at the end of the day, like why, why should Vooch be one of these, you know, final guys into to the all-star game? Cause it is a, a, a little bit more of like a, a star brand name loaded Eastern conference than we've seen in previous years, obviously with Harden, Kyrie and, and Katie alone being a part of that. Yeah, um, so, and, and see, that's the tricky part, is he doesn't have this massive personality, and he also doesn't necessarily, um, I don't know, like, do do people want to see pick-and-pop bigs in the All-Star game anymore? Like, I'm not sure it's it's ideal from a viewer's perspective, but, like, ask any head coach who's had to prepare for the Magic so far this year about whether or not that guy's an All-Star or, like, where he ranks on the scouting report, like, especially with the injuries, and especially when Markel went down. Like, Markel went down um <clears throat> game nine back on January 6th so this team has been trying to tread water without its starting point guard and Markel was playing really well um at the beginning of the year and if you remember last year we had DJ Augustine so Markel slides in for you know he, he's took over the starting job last year um but he you know was like fine high at the beginning of the season you entered the year without Jonathan Isaac you knew that wasn't going to um you weren't going to have him when Markel went down, it, it was like a gut punch to the whole organization, basically. And for this team to have, and, and yes, like you started six and two, so you built a little cushion. Um, but for it to be, you know, remotely within the playoff conversation at this point of the year, and even still treading water and anywhere near um, 500, is all because of Nikola Vucevic. Like he is, you know, top 20 in the league um, in player efficiency rating. He's one of the only players who's going to get you. Um, uh, you know, over 11 boards a game to go with 24 points a game. He's shooting 48% from three uh, from the field, 41% from three. He, there's just aren't many players in the league who can do what he does. And there are teams um, and games where he's just absolutely unstoppable. Like that game, um, that, that game against Golden State on Friday, they're throwing doubles at him constantly. Um, every time, like they're doubling his pick and rolls like every time down the floor and he ends up with a triple double, you know, his third career, triple double, um, I think 10 assists, but he's just hitting, you know, Chumo Kiki or whoever on the short roll. And he's, they're running the offense hundred percent through him. So when Markel went down, it was like, okay, one of our ball handlers and one of the main cogs of our offense um, is gone. And then Fournier has only played five games in the month of February because he's been dealing with back spasms. Um, and Aaron went down and he was like your backup, um, guard. So there was, there's been so many injuries and there's been so much like up and down and sort of chaos across the roster and Vooch has played every game and he's put up these numbers. Um, he's just been so consistent throughout the year that like any shred of success that this team has, um, and has had is largely due to him. And so I just think he's gotten to a point in his career where he's, you know, he'll take you down in the block. He'll pick and pop with you. His trail threes in transition, like, I think he's made more threes than anybody except Lillard um, from the top of the key or something like that. That was a stat from about a week ago. Um, he's just – and there's all these little nuggets of stuff that he's done this year that um, he's he's just been remarkable. And he's quiet, but he's he's got, he's kind of like silver-tongued. Like, he's, he's really, like, wry. Um, and it's just been a pleasure watching him this year. He's just, he brings it every freaking night. And I, that Golden State game, he started out like two of six or something from three. And I texted my boss. I was like, 
Vooch is cooked. Like we like we might have to sit him down for the All Star break. He's got no legs, and he ended up with a triple double, like a thirty point triple double that night. Like he's just been um, he's been consistent all year, and he has carried this team all season. And he's played um, way too many minutes, probably as far as the team goes. I'm sure they would like to um, to to get a lid on that, but they need him. And he's you know if you're going to make a run in the postseason, it's going to be on his shoulders. So he's been awesome. He, he's really been uh, like a model of consistency as, as much as anyone has in the last few years. And I've come a long way on Vucevic. I've, I've really, he's changed my opinion of him. And I, I'll tell you, I, I appreciate a, a player like him even more now um, in, in the current iteration of the Pistons, because Jeremy Grant gets kind of that same treatment. And I see a lot of stuff about, you know, empty stats, you know, good, big, big numbers on a, a tough team. But I think Vooch, like, like, like Grant, you know, when you don't have other teammates who can put the ball in the basket and, and can be threats to do multiple things at an, at a, at a very high level, it becomes way harder to do the, the kind of things that Vooch does. And he was, I mean, he was just unstoppable. Last night was one of those nights where he was just absolutely unstoppable. It, it, it didn't even look like the Pistons played particularly bad defense to me, but he's just kind of inevitable at, at times. And you know what, Matt? I think that's a good point too, because then I kind of feel like we're we're somewhat past like empty empty stats guy anymore because we're so plugged in with advanced stats um, and percentages and efficiency now that like you know I, I'm trying to think of good examples from the past, like Nate Robinson or whatever, like. You're not going to get Davis. 15, Ricky Davis. You're not going to get 15, 20 shots a game if you're shooting, you know, 38% from the field or whatever. Like they're like they're just not going to play you. Like that those guys don't really exist that much anymore. And I think of Levine. Um I always thought Levine was an empty stats guy and now he's going like 50, 40, 90 on me and I'm going, "Okay, now you're an all-star and I'm sorry I doubted you all those years." Um yeah, the you know, the Bulls aren't a great team, but it's not because Zach Levine is a chucker, right? Zach Levine is one of the most he's – he's having an historically efficient year, scoring a whole lot of points. Um, you can be a really, really good player, and the wins don't happen. Like, this is a little tangent of mine, but when when the whole Brad Beal conversation was happening and everybody was talking about how he deserves better, Brad Beal deserves better. And I'm like, just because you're a great player doesn't mean you deserve to win a championship or deserve to win games. Like, every time we play a game, somebody has to freaking lose it. And I hate that we got to the point where it's just like every great player, we want them to be in this great situation. No, every team is going to have a um, a franchise cornerstone or a franchise player. Um, and half the teams are going to be losers um, every year, roughly. And so that's, you know, that's what it is. So just because your team um, isn't winning a whole lot of games or, or you're a lottery team doesn't mean you're not a great player. And, and uh, I think sometimes that gets lost. And and when you say, you know, also, as you say, like, there's going to be a, a franchise player. There's going to be, you know, you're going to win some games, going to lose some games. But one thing with the the magic that, that I think kind of goes underappreciated, and it, it might be some people might, I don't know, snicker at this. But in Detroit, we've seen how difficult it is throughout the course of an 82-game season to win enough to even make the the playoffs in uh you know not uh, a more top heavy eastern conference the magic even though it hasn't been the prettiest uh, i think back in 2018 19 they were 42 and 40 which was they had a great season that year 
Um, they, they were really impressive. They, they got a lot more wins than people were expecting them to. They get in the playoffs last year, uh, you know, in the bubble, and it was a, a weird season, but they still made the playoffs. And then, then we got this year coming up, which should be three straight years of the Orlando Magic making the playoffs. And while it might be a sort of sacrificial lamb type of situation, depending on how much they can turn it around, how much the guys that are injured now get back into some sort of form, I do think that there is some sort of, I guess, organizational value in, in being relatively competitive and being able to get yourself into the postseason consistently like the Magic have because they're not talked about as a as a team that, that consistently makes it. They're talked about as a team a lot like the Pistons where they're, you know, more so this mediocrity, they're stuck in the middle, there's, you know, no road out, and, and they seem to be kind of pushing against that narrative a little bit, the doing reclamation projects like Markel Fultz, like we're seeing in Detroit out of Josh Jackson. And I think that that takes, you know, some just amount of organizational uh, stability, organizational, like just success, just to be able to keep on repeating and repeating it and to get and build and build it and to keep on finding yourself in, in the postseason, because it's not easy, even if you're, you know, like the Pistons have found out so many years in a row with having made the playoffs just once since, uh, you know, that that 2016 team. So I think there is value in that just from, like I said, from an organizational standpoint, for sure. Yeah, especially in a place like, it's a great point, and especially in a place like Orlando where um, fans are a lot more finicky, I guess. There's just so many other options, right? And, and the Magic have a, a great fan base, and obviously this year it's different because – um, it's a limited capacity, but when Weltman and Hammond got here, and it was before it was when I was still up there, um, the team hadn't made the playoffs in six years. So the first, you know, the primary objective was to make the damn playoffs, and they did. And they've done it two years in a row now. Yes, you now fans are used to it, and now you have to make that next step. Um, losing, you know, uh, in five in round one, be it against Toronto or Milwaukee, is probably not going to be good enough this year. Um, but you. And yes, you have all the injury excuses kind of baked in, and they're legitimate excuses. Like the two, Jonathan Isaac and Marco Folds, are basically the future of the franchise, and they're both out for the year. Um, but I, but I do think there is value, David, in 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 building that sort of you know, rebuilding that culture. I think you have to have one eye on the future. Obviously, like you can't have a whole bunch of overpaid um, thirty plus guys. And have the ceiling be losing in five in round one, um, but that's not the case here. You see, you know, yeah, you got Booch and Ross and Fournier and Aaron, who is a twenty-five-year-old uh, veteran, and then, but then you got Cole and Markel and Ji and kind of and Chuma and sort of the idea. And, and Mo Bamba is, you know, he's not playing much, but he's still um, a big part of the future of this franchise, in my opinion. Um, and so you do it. You, you got a both. You've got your veterans. You've got your guys who are going to. Um, keep the culture stable and um, and you're not going to turn into hinky sixers or you've got a bunch of kids running around, but you do have an eye on the future and and what the next level is going to look like. That's well said, 100%. Um, so, yeah, we don't need to keep you much longer. Matt, did you have anything else you wanted to, to pass on to Jake? Um, well, we, we miss you, Jake, but um, I, I did want to ask you just, just one question. Um, you know, when you were here in Detroit, Stan Van Gundy was the, the coach for much, if not all of, of the time you were here, I think. Um, you know, he was quite the character. 
Um, certainly not not boring to cover. Do you have any good uh, SVG stories for us? Oh, man. I don't. You're putting me on the spot. He was so fun. He, um, he, he would just like, depending on the, the people who were there, because when I was up there, it was when, um, it was before the last election is what I'll say. And so we would, <laughs> we, right. We would, we would talk to him and then, you know, if it were Vince and Keith and me and, and James and Rod or like, you know, no TV guys, we would put it that way. Um, and, and it always seems to be practices and God, I miss this. Like, this is what sucks so bad about the pandemic um, is you go in on a Saturday practice uh, with a guy like Steve Clifford or a guy like Dwayne Casey, I'm sure. And it's, you know, the team's not taken off. You don't play again until Monday, whatever. It's a, a nice leisurely Saturday practice. And they'll sit there and talk to you for like an hour. Um, if they're guys like Steve Clifford and Stan Van Gundy, who obviously both came um, from a similar tree. And so, like, I just remember Stan sitting there talking politics, talking about the guy who ended up winning. And he said, and, and I think, I don't remember if it was me. We were just talking about, like, why, like, what drew people um, to, to the former president. And it was like, oh, and we were talking about the outsiders thing. Oh, and drain the swamp. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. And he was like, uh, he was like, if I'm going to get surgery, I want a fucking doctor to do it. <laughs> and you can bleep that out if you want or edit it. No, no. Um, and I was like, what a great way to put it. Like, I never thought about that. Um, and that's exactly, you know, uh, that's that was Stan. Like, he's, I don't know, he's got this, like, biting wit to him. Um, and when I, I mean, you guys remember, like, I started um, full-time at the Magic in the first place as radio producer. Uh, the year after they went to the finals. And I, like, I used to go down there and he scared the hell out of me. Like, it was so intimidating to think about trying to ask him questions because he was so much more, I mean, he mellowed out by the time he got to Detroit. Um, so I respect the hell out of that guy. I'm really happy for him in New Orleans. I think it's going to work out. Um, and he is, I, I really wish it had worked out in Detroit because I do think, um, I think he's a great coach and I think he, I think he just missed on a couple picks, you know, and and I think he had some bad injury luck, and that's a, that's pretty much all it takes uh, in this league. I don't. It wasn't ideal for him to wear both hats, um, but I, I think he was a lot closer than than we think he was. Um, and then you get, you know, people start getting hurt, and all of a sudden you have a, a shot to get Blake, and you go, you know what, like this is probably my last opportunity, you know, chance to pull the trigger on something like this. Maybe Blake will come in and fix everything, and. For a year, he almost did, um, but it sucks the way it ended, and, and I, uh, I, I wish it had been better for him. I, I don't think he, um, I, I shouldn't say I don't think he deserved it. I, I think he, I think he has some regrets from his time in Detroit. But he, he even was talking about it last time they were up there, wasn't he? About how much he loved the city and um, the people there, and he just kind of wished it had worked out better. And I feel the same way. Yeah, he had some of that wit where he's like, "Yeah, I don't think they really like me up here, but uh, I really liked <laughs> it when I was here." <laughs> yeah. But yeah, no, there, there's you know, there's you can always Monday morning quarterback certain situations, but uh, he, he tried definitely, and um, yeah, and we're seeing him put together some, you know, they, they seem to be getting things back on track in New Orleans after coming off of an awesome game against the Celtics uh, yesterday as well. But uh, 
Jake, uh, thank you again for for joining us here, and, and definitely shout out where the people can find you and you know I, or listen to you. I don't know if there's like a you know more of like a digital link that, that, that they could go to. We could also put this in the show notes as well. But yeah, just let the people know where they can follow you, just because I know there probably be some listeners here, just because it has been three years that, that don't know that you were such such a big part of this Pistons community for so long. Um, I, I think that they would like, if you want to get that level of Intel with the Orlando magic, you're the perfect person to follow for that. Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate it. Follow me on Twitter is at Jake Chapman, O M as in Orlando magic at Jake Chapman. O M. Um, I do a weekly magic podcast. It's called magic weekly aptly titled. Um, it is wherever you get your podcasts, Spotify, Apple, um, iTunes, all that good stuff. And then, you can listen if you have Sirius XM or if you have NBA League Audio Pass um, to our radio broadcast. I don't know why anybody would want to do that except for Duncan Smith, who was listening last night and tweeting at me about it, listening to the commercials that I produce and me voicing stuff for the Florida Department of Highway Safety. Um, <laughs> but but that's Duncan. And as we know, Duncan is uh, Duncan's a special cat. Um, but, yeah, you can listen to the broadcast, too, if you want to via NBA League Audio Pass uh, or on Sirius XM. Well, thank you again, Jake. And as always, you can follow Inside the Cylinder on Twitter at Inside the C-Y-L-N-D-R. And all new episodes are on DetroitBadBoys.com and the Detroit Bad Boys podcast stream. And we'll catch you all next week. Peace.